welcome to this episode of the SportKite podcast. I am your host, Nick O'Neill, founder of SportKite.org, and I wanted to thank you for tuning in and listening. Indefinitely huge, big thank you to all of you that have joined us this last year, either listening to an episode here or there, or have become subscribers, or those of you that have become patrons on buymeacoffee.com slash sportkite, because guess what? We hit the year mark. We have published approximately an episode every week, except for a handful of breaks here and there so that we could kind of take care of some other stuff and get our creative juices flowing again. Um, But yeah, we have done a whole year of this podcast. So to date, it is the longest running kite themed podcast that isn't kiteboarding uh, that is out there. So uh, that is in no small part because of all of you all the listeners and every one of you that has been sharing what we're doing here. So a big thank you to all of you. All right. So it just so happened that on the anniversary of launching the podcast, uh, we were down at Treasure Island Kite Festival after going and seeing the kites flown at the Disney show. And, well, we are having an amazing day hanging out on the beach, flying, doing all this wonderful stuff on Saturday, and then Sunday hits, and it is just ripping wind. It is rain. It is nasty. It is just not conducive for us to go out and fly. I mean, heck, just down south from us, there were tornadoes that tore through some mobile home parks. and So, yeah, we just kind of hold up inside the hotel rooms and hung out and uh, one of the other members of the sport kite podcast hunter brown decided we should flip the script and do an interview of me so uh i thought that would be a perfect episode to celebrate a year of the sport kite podcast uh, so you can get to know a little bit more about myself the founder of sportkite.org and the host of this podcast so i hope you enjoy and um yeah <laughs> if you have any questions feel free to reach out to me at info at sportkite.org or check us out on Facebook. So, yeah, let's get to it. All right. Ready? Yeah. All right. Let's see. All right, welcome, everyone. Today, we get to flip the script on Nick Mm O'Neill, the normal host of the podcast, but myself, Hunter Brown, we're, we're here at the Treasure Island Kite Festival, the 25th mm-hmm. annual, and it's been a quite the windy day today, so we've taken some time to try and uh, pull a little time that we can do uh, an interview or two, and one of those is, um, I said, Nick, we, we need to interview you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, for, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, you know, Nick O'Neill, host of the Normal Podcast, um, she's involved in so much, uh, you know. One, she has her own full-time career that she does. Mm-hmm. Um, she has uh, been a past AKA president. Yep. She runs Fortuna Found. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about all these things. She's done a TED Talk. Yep. She uh, runs SportKite.org, and as you all know, the SportKite podcast. She's yep. a social media manager for <laughs> a brand or two out there. Yeah. Involved in Level One Kites USA. 
a content creator, mainly around kites normally. Yep. Um, you got a few things that you do, Nick. Uh, yeah, that's just on the kite side. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to, I like kind of being, um, a renaissance woman, especially when it comes to kites, because kites are my passion. Uh, so any way that I can kind of help spread the love and joy of kite flying and, and help others spread that, I, I try and do that. So it kind of means I, I dip my toe or put my fingers in just about everything that's kite related. Well, no, that's great. Yeah, and you certainly do. <laughs> 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 no innuendo there whatsoever. Not at all. I, at I all. just I enjoy being a part of stuff and helping people. No. Yes, no, and, nope. and you do a good job. Of that. <laughs> nice. So, so okay. So we just talked about all of this kite related stuff you do. Yeah. But before we maybe get into some of the details there and everything, let's let's take a step back. Okay. So before you got involved in all these things. What was Nico Neal doing, and how did you find kiting? Uh, ah, well, um, so yes, I, I flew kites as a kid, like a lot of people, uh, and I separate that from what I consider my current kite life, my adult kite life. Um, I was in the military, I was a, a translator interrogator, and um, on a break, between various jobs and all this, uh, I was in United Arab Emirates and I saw someone flying what turned out to be a prism nexus. Um, I saw someone flying and it was a very poignant time in my, my life that I kind of needed to change things up and, and seeing that kite and the person was just, just flying and doing their thing. It spoke to me. Um, and it happened to also be right about the time I was getting out of the military. So I, I, um, shortly thereafter, I moved to Boulder, Colorado and the kite store there into the wind to a rather famous kite store. Uh, I walked in and I saw a prism nexus hanging up. I was like, it's a sign I'm going to get it. So, so I bought that kite and while I was there and talking to folks and I, I crashed that thing so many times and I had a lot of fun and I came back in and they told me about a, a kite festival. Um, it happened to be a South Padre Island kite festival. And on a whim, I decided to go to it and I learned quad line flying from, uh, I quad at the time. I knew, had no idea who any of these people were. I was just like, this sounds great. I'm going to go do this. And pretty much, yeah, I just jumped in feet first uh, while I was there. Uh, I had only been flying kites for maybe three, four months. And Chris Schultz from HQ Kites really liked my energy. And pretty much on the spot hired me on to be a sponsored flyer for HQ. That's great. Uh, so I did power kiting for HQ mm -hmm. with snow kites and, and buggies and, and boards with just, you know, a few months of flying under my belt. And yeah, that's, there's a lot more to the story after that, but that, that literally just like, I guess I had the energy and, and the passion for it right off the bat. And it, it really has not waned in the past 15 or so years, I've, I've still been very, very passionate about kites, the people in kites, and everything else around it. So that's awesome. That's great. So you said you did some power kiting of different mm -hmm. types. Where were yeah. some of the, where were some of the, you know, main places or some of the places that you did that at? 
Uh, well, so of course I did a Navex at uh, the North America Buggy Expo at Ivanpah down there uh, at Lake Prim, mm-hmm. or Ivanpah Lake um, in Prim, Nevada, south of Las Vegas. Uh, I was one of the heads of the North America Snow Kite Tour, so we did uh, Montana, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, uh, Idaho. We kind of went up and down uh, doing a whole bunch of competitions there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those that was my main power kiting days were, were there. That was good stuff. I miss yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So besides power kiting, mm-hmm. and this can be from, from then to now and things, what... What are, what's, what's the different types of kiting that you enjoy? When you when you have time to yourself and you get to go fly <laughs> a kite, um, uh, what's, what's the type of kiting you enjoy? Uh, so definitely the two that still hold a special place in my heart. Um, one I've done quite a bit of. The other I should have done more of, and it's funny with what I do now. Uh, the first is single line indoor. Mm-hmm. Um it's, I feel like it can be very expressive and beautiful and, and I love indoor flying and it was actually indoor flying and watching Paul fly that, that just kind of changed my perspective of, of kites. Um, and then the second, which I do not do enough and I really should do a lot more and it's completely ironic is sport kite flying. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just... Dual line sport right, flight. Right. Yes. So, so, so why why do you say it's ironic, Nick? Because I really don't fly. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, so I can I can launch, I can land, I can do a cartwheel, um, I can do half axles, and I can fly precision patterns around the sky. But uh-huh. for someone who's been flying a sport kite as long as I should, or as long as I have, I should be a more proficient flyer. Um, uh, in the tricks categories, and and I know that it's it's something I wanted to rectify, but I also I do notice that um, I also have a passion for sharing everybody else's flying and kind of encouraging the sport. Yeah. And anytime I'm around proficient kite flyers, like I I want to pick their brain. I want to video them. I want to photograph them because I want to share all of that. Which means then I'm not flying. And sure. Learning. Sure. So, it becomes this nasty catch twenty two, right? Yeah. Like I want to do it all, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. Yeah. And I, I should fly more. I'm trying to be better about it this year. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe it's a topic for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but just to your point there, uh, you do fly. Yes. Do you have fun doing it? I do. I yeah. love it. Then, I love then, it. Then, then no one's no one. There's no requirement out there that you have oh, to do and, and I will and, put a tail on so, it and so. do spins <laughs> for days. Right. And, That's great. No, I, I do, I see when, you know, and, and I'm privileged that uh, my partner is Paul. So I, I have seen the top level flying for ballet. Mm-hmm. Someone that really knows how to put stuff to music. And it was, it was his choreography that like, it, he loves it when I say this. Um, it was love at first flight because actually what he was doing with his kite, it so touched me. And, and like, I just felt this overwhelming feeling like I need to know this person. Mm-hmm. Like this per I, I need to go get to know this person mm-hmm. just because of the way that they were flying. Sure. So I, I do recognize the power of, 
um, being able to express yourself and having the skill set and then matching that with, with music and kites and doing that in front of a public and demonstrating mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I've done that in other avenues and I would love to do it with kites, right. but I know I have to put in the time to make that happen. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Well, I wasn't necessarily going to go there quite yet, but I wanted to make <laughs> yeah. sure we talked about you. Yes. But yeah, you, yeah. you brought it up. Yeah. Um, so your your partner, uh, yeah. Paul DeBacher, um, you know, good friend your, of mine. Your Focus Kites partner. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> but uh, uh, you just mentioned it, but mm-hmm. I mean, talk to me a little bit more. How, how did y'all meet? And, uh, so and, we met on the beach, in a sense, um, at uh, the Washington State International Kite Festival in Long Beach. I say we met in 2010. I only met him in passing. Um, you know, it sounds kind of shady, but there's not that many people of our age in him <laughs> kite flying. Uh, so, you know, you definitely notice someone else of your age um, sure. uh, that was passing through at the time. We, we really didn't talk then. It was it was completely passing type thing. We really met in 2011, and um, I was there. It was one of my last years with HQ. Um, I was bringing some kites and letting people demo, you know, small power kites and stuff like that on the beach. And I knew all the Into the Wind crew. I worked very closely with them, um, and they were staying at a house I rented there. And it just so happened to be the same year that Into the Wind was coming out with uh, with the Hydra, the Skate, and the Manta, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and also the Echo um, from your guys' stuff from Focus, uh-huh. right? And 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 so Paul was working very closely with the Into the Wind folks, and he, he came over and I met him, and I was like, oh, you know, this is a really cool guy. And when I watched him fly, I was like, holy crap! And when I saw the indoor, I was like, that's it. I gotta know this guy. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it really was, it was instant. I, I, I knew this person needed to be in my life. Um, over time, I knew it was because I loved him and all that, but there was just this, this draw of like this, this person who has got something that needs to be in my life. Either I'm going to learn from him or it's going to change my perspective or something like that. And yeah, we swapped numbers on the beach and I was what, maybe two hours on my drive after leaving the beach. Cause at the time I was living in, in Colorado and, and driving back and forth between Colorado and Washington. And I think it was two hours on the drive and I texted him and we have talked every day since for since 2011 whiskey i think there's only been what uh 10 days 10 or 11 days that we have not actually physically heard each other's voice wow in the 11 plus years we've been together it's pretty great yeah it's kind of sickening (laughs) (laughs) and he still gets me with with kites actually um the the kind of running joke, right? That, uh, I mean, we pretty much started dating almost right away. We, we just both knew it. And um, I flew out to the AKA convention in Wildwood, New Jersey in the off season. Totally romantic. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I, I come out to meet him and he's actually got a gift for me. And it was a skate. And I, I still have that skate to this day. It's one of my, my most prized possessions. Um, 
I gave him kitchen towels. Oh, okay. He gave me a skate. All right. Yeah, custom skate in my colors. I, I gave him off-the-shelf kitchen towels. Now, I am great at gift giving. Is that... What, what are those colors? Is it the blue that I'm Yeah, of? Yeah, the blue and teal. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. And, and I'm just curious. Did he make that? Uh, I believe he had someone else. Okay. Uh, he, he was part of it, okay. but he did That's have great. someone else sew it, and he even wrote a little inscription on it. So, That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I still have that kite. I've had to replace the nose a few times, mm-hmm. but yeah. Excellent. That was good. Um, all right, so... <laughs> well, okay, we'll, we'll leave Paul to the side. Yeah, he's, he's the romantic one. <laughs> I am the awkward, like, I like you. You should be with me. I am caveman. So as you as you continued on in kiting and doing mm-hmm. things, you uh, served for a bit as AKA president. Yes. Yeah. So actually, before that, um, I had been working a lot behind the scenes for the AKA. I'd been helping uh, write for the magazine. I had been collecting a lot of information. I had been helping. Um, with website updates, I had been helping with all sorts of stuff, and then I became a director at large uh, for a few years. And then um, John Luter, who was president at the time, suggested he's like, "Hey, I think you'd be great. You want to be AKA president? We're looking. You know, we're taking nominations." And I was like, "Okay, I'll mm-hmm. put my name in." So I did that. Um, I I saw a significant need in the organization for a lot of things. Um, you know, it's it's an organization that's been around for quite some time. Uh, so it's got a real beautiful history, tradition, and legacy that goes with it. Uh, and it's, it hasn't quite yet modernized and kind of kept up with the times. And, you know, some of that is reflective of the current membership. Uh, you know, sure. it, it tends to be top heavy, uh, but that's, that's not a problem of just the AKA. That's, that's all membership type organizations. There, a lot of membership based organizations have seen, you know, the shift in demographics is you're not having you know, young professionals tend not to join lodges and and organizations and stuff like mm-hmm. that we don't have that same kind of mindset anymore um and so i was i was very hopeful coming in that i could change some things make it a little bit more appealing to folks like myself and younger uh kind of revitalize the the younger side of the ak um and yeah, I, I did that for two and a half years. I, I resigned early because it just, uh, what I foresaw for the organization and kind of what the organization foresaw for itself were not necessarily aligning. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to keep trying to shove a square peg into a round hole. Sure. So it was like, you know what? Like, much love. Like, let's just call this, you know, it's not bad boyfriend thing. Like, let's just like separate and say, okay, that we're done. Right. So, yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> so was there any, from that experience, mm-hmm. was there anything in particular that you feel like you learned overall? Absolutely. Just, I mean, just anything in general. 100%. I, I, there is a lot that I learned, um, from, from being in that position. 
Um, and something I had somewhat knew before, but being at the head of the AKA and, and dealing with it constantly, um, like absolutely 100% reaffirmed that the most important thing that anyone can do that's in that position or any similar position um, or if they just want to spread the word and get it out there, you don't have to do these big ticket items. You don't have to do massive magazines and all this other stuff. You just have to communicate on a daily basis in every means possible. So it is not just phone calls, which I am horrific about phone calls. Mm -hmm. I recognize this. I hate answering my phone because almost all my phone calls are spam calls. So I I don't make phone calls anymore. Um, I know that's a downfall of mine, but I communicate on messenger, on email, on videos, on everything. And I will put the message out there as much as I can everywhere I can so that people can find it. Um, and I think, yeah, my, my time with the AKA really like cemented that, uh, because I'm still getting messages now, people thinking I'm still the president and I haven't been for two plus years and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I just, I just saw your message recently. I was like, Oh, well, here's, here's who you contact. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's the information. Um, and it also got me over my, uh, my fear of failure and my fear of perfection. Um, one of it, it's a weird fear is to have a fear of success, but setting a success means you set precedent and then people expect you always to be up here and, and achieving this level. And so then you wait around to make sure everything is perfect before you put it out. And it's like, no, just put it out now. Mm-hmm. People are more forgiving sure. if they actually get to be included in the process of the development, right? Because mm-hmm. now they're buying into it and they're like, oh, yeah, I saw this when it was the first crappy version and now I'm on version 10 and I see all these changes. And and now, now they take ownership in this project and this idea that you're doing. And um, it's very scary to put yourself out there like that. And uh, the AKA kind of helped me just say, you know what? we're going to do this thing and it's going to, it's going to have mistakes. That's okay. Help us make it better. Right. right? So flipping the script and getting away from the, I got to wait till it's perfect Uh to put it out there. So I, I do credit the AK for, for kind of helping refine those, those two things that were happening in me and and Uh making them better. So that's great. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like a very good lesson. Yes, a hard learned lesson. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, and, I, and you'll forgive me if I'm off on my timeline here, yeah. and I'm sure you'll you'll let me know. But <laughs> so after AK president yes. time, and actually, given what you said, it, it may have happened before. Um, you started Fortuna Found. Yeah, so I had kind of dabbled with Fortuna before I left the AKA, um, but. It's it's not really off timeline to say that I really launched it and started it after I left the AKA. Okay. Um, part of that is I saw everything that I was trying to do through the organization um, that I was running into roadblocks and roadblocks for good reason for that organization, not not in an overall um, manner. Um, 
that I, I just couldn't make things happen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I see a need for these things. I have people that are, are coming to me and they're asking like, Hey, I want to find out more about such and such. And I'm like, yes, I want to give you that resource, but I can't get that resource because this, 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 this. Um, and so, uh, partly to kind of, you know, deal with some of my own emotions of, you know, uh, stepping down from the position, but also wanting to see those ideas, see the light of day. I, I put it all into Fortuna Found mm-hmm. and just said, okay, now I have nobody that's telling me, no, this doesn't, you can't do this. I'm going to do it. And if people don't like it, that's fine. I can, I can move on to the next project. There is nothing stopping me from doing any of this and I'm just going to do it and yeah. see what happens. And so that's, yeah, that's where Fortuna mm-hmm. Found started. So that's, that's great. So, so that brings me to two questions. In regards yes. to one, talk to us about the name. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Fortuna Found, um, so, and of course, I'm so bad with Latin, but hopefully everyone remembers the, the Latin saying, or you've seen some version of it, that essentially means fortune favor, favors the bold. Okay. Uh, well, fortune in this case is fortuna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am a strong believer of saying that there's no such thing as luck. Uh-huh. It's about saying yes to opportunity. And if you keep saying yes to things, you will find yourself in the position that is considered lucky, right? You can't win the lottery without buying a lottery ticket, but you have to keep going out and doing things and putting yourself in the space before something very positive happens. And so Fortuna found is essentially me saying like, hey, like I'm going to do everything. Right. And something's going to stick at some point. We're, we're just going to kind of keep trying things until I find that that luck, that, that fortune, the fortuna. Well, so not money fortune, sure. but like fortune. Sure. Yeah, fortunate. That's great. That's great. Uh, yeah. I, I uh, admire people who uh, have that wherewithal and to not be afraid of failure to try, <laughs> Oh, try, I'm afraid try, of failure. Try, it scares the living day right, out of right. me, but I keep doing it. <laughs> keep doing it. No, that's good. That's good. My okay. button for punishment. <laughs> yes. So the second question is, yes. is short and sweet. <laughs> what's, what, what's your overall goal, Fortune and Town? What is the goal of that? Um, I... I I mean, the absolute simple distilled down version for for the public and everyone else to know is that I want it to be a resource for kite flyers that helps grow the kite community. Um, And by that, I mean that it's a free resource that folks, if you're out on the field and someone asks you like, hey... I want to learn more about this. You can send them to this link and it lists like, here's where you can learn more about this. Here's where you can do this. Here is a calendar that shows you all the upcoming events. Here is every little, like we're going to dump all the information that you could possibly want to consume. It's all right here. Mm -hmm. You don't have to hop around, you know, finding the perfect search term on YouTube or stuff like that. Um, That and I... So yeah, I want to create resources for kite flyers to help make a bigger kite. Sure. That's okay. that's the distilled version. Yeah. Awesome. 
<laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so at some point in all of this, yes, you made a massive, like, uh, massive step, and you did a TED talk. Oh yeah. So actually, I I was still AK president. Oh, okay, that's right. You yeah, were. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Um, so, tell me how this came about. Uh, I have been a huge TED fan for for quite some time. Um, I have attended a few TED Talks in person, um, and I, I just love the format. Mm-hmm. I, I think everything about it, it's, it's great, and it's a chance to be inspired to learn and to think critically on some things. Sure. Now, um, real, real quick, yeah. I think most everyone probably knows what a TED Talk is, but... How would you describe what TED Talk is for those who may not know? Um, so it's it's a person that gets up and you have essentially uh, 10 to, I think it's 19 minutes now. Um, ideally 10 to 19 minutes and you, you give a talk discussing either your concept, something you love, arts, science. It's, a, it's, it's like adult show and tell, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's also meant to engage people in critical thinking. So it's storytelling and adult show and tell. Sure, sure. Um, and it's public speaking on a stage in yes, front of an audience. Yes, on, on a red dot. Yes, <laughs> on a big red carpet or uh-huh. a circular red carpet. So yeah, you're, you're doing it on stage in, in front of a crowd. And um, they're also recorded and they're put on YouTube and they are broadcast around the world. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, there are TED Talks have been done some of, by some of the biggest people sure. in the world. And they've also been been done by some of, you know, the smallest people in the world. But the ideas and like it shared, like you never knew you would be so interested in, in gardening and, and dirt. And this guy gets like so into detail about the critters in the dirt. And you're like, oh, my God, I want to run out in my backyard and yeah. dig up a hole. Or in uh, there was a comedian dealing with uh, suicide, I think, in, in my my TED Talk series. Um, but he made it funny, and it was great. And you're like, wow, I never thought of it this way. Sure. And it, yeah, so, so that, that's, what, that's TED Talks. Okay. Yeah. So I think I, I interrupted you there. Yeah, sorry. How it all came about. Yeah, uh, yeah. Interrupted you there. So, so uh, it's because I've been a fan for so long, it's always been one of those that's, you know, it's a bucket list item. I want to do a TED talk. Um, I don't care if it's the big main stage TED or if it's a, what's called TEDx, which are the the smaller TED, TED talk venues. Um, I just had it on my bucket list that that would be a sense of accomplishment. If I could stand up and talk about something I was passionate about and share it with the world. And it just so happened that there was a call put out for a somewhat local to us um, TEDx event. And I, I, I think the, the theme was changing boundaries. Um, and I submitted a proposal and they liked it. They asked me to come in and I gave a, I gave a very impromptu, off-the-cuff speech as my as my audition, and they absolutely loved it. Um, so, out of the roughly thirty or forty people, I believe that were uh, sub- that submitted for that, they only picked ten of us. I think it was. 
um, for the, the tent accident, and they included me, and, and yeah, um, I, it turns out, actually, I was the first, and so far, I think I still am the only person who has done a TED Talk on kites that wasn't about kiteboarding or uh, kite power generation. I just talked about kites and the amazingness that is, that is kites and kite sure. flying, um, and yeah, it's, I love it every time I go back and watch it. Oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> uh, that's excellent. So, so really briefly, well, just to, um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, and tease I, flew people. A, I flew a kite on stage during it. And what kite was that? And that was an eye flight. Okay. Thank God it worked <laughs> because it, anyone who's flown indoors knows that indoor air, air conditioning and HVAC systems are a pain. Sure. And I didn't get to prepare, and I had no idea, and I step out on stage, and there's all this heat from the lights, and then they have the HVAC system. I'm like, this is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whatever, here we go. And I just walked out and did it. And, yep, and flew. No problem. No hiccups. <laughs> now, for anyone who would like to watch your TED Talk, yep. would they... Would they... Just go on YouTube and search TED Talk Kites, TED yep. Talk Nick O'Neill, yep. either one. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. They they put some weird, they chose the title for it. So I, it's something like, I don't know, Boundless Skies. or I. It was something I was like, okay, whatever. Like, if you think that that's what normal people are going to understand, then mm-hmm. that, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if you just type in my name or uh, TEDx and Kites, it should yeah. come up. Awesome. So That's great. Okay. <laughs> I still, I can't believe I did that one. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's quite the accomplishment. Thank you. So, so as we continue to go down this long list of things <laughs> that you're involved in and you do, yeah. uh, next on my list here is sportkite.org. Yes. So talk to me about that. What, what, um, what is the goal of sportkite.org? What is it? And, and so, what? um, that, that one also somewhat comes from my time in the AKA. Uh, so before, before I became president, um, I was looking at the Sportkite database uh, and I, the scores database. And I noticed um, it wasn't, it was, it had a lot, but it wasn't fully comprehensive. There was stuff that was missing. And I was like, well, that's strange. Like, I found a record for it over here. Why isn't it involved in there? So I started kind of piecing some of that stuff together just for myself. Sure. I, was, I, I was interested. Um, and and your scores from sport kite competitions. Yes. The, yeah. 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 From sport kite competitions in the past. And then, um, you know, the, the original sport kite database was, was built by uh, an individual or some individuals out in, um, that are AKA members and, and they did a, a fairly proficient job with, you know, making it really comprehensive and especially before current time. I mean, the, the database was written back in the 1990s and it, it survived quite some time. Um, unfortunately with website changes and everything else, uh, it caused the database to start getting corrupted. And so I, I kind of panicked um, I was trying to make things happen through the AKA side, but I went and copied over every score by hand wow. uh, in the database and, and saved it as well. And I added that to the database that I already was building of other sport pick scores. Um, and then while things were still going on, I kept adding more to this database, more and more and more. Um, and I've been doing it all by hand, uh-huh. all myself. 
uh, I've had a handful of people that have entered, you know, like 50 or 60 scores here and there. Sure. But last I checked just here recently, um, it was topping over 120,000 entries. Wow. Um, and I still have a lot more to go. Uh-huh. I, I, every time I find something new, I'm trying to add it in there. Uh, and uh, adding in elements that I thought would be interesting as a, as a competitor. So I'm trying to add more information where I can. Um, so I have this database. And I'm done with the AKA. I'm, I'm trying to give the scores back to the AKA. That's, that's a whole other thing that's going on. Um, but I have this database that I've built now that is more comprehensive than the AKA database. It's also starting to include world scores and all this other stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this needs to be a resource for people. Right. Um, and I know people want this. They, they, some people have asked. Sure. Um, and... People are also asking about a pipeline for getting into sport kite flying. Like, how do I even get started? And I heard common things. People like, oh, just go watch the dog gross videos or the prison videos. And it's like, there's something that's lacking. There, there's something that's not helping with that progression. Right. And you, just be clear, you're not knocking prism or dog. No, no, they no. They're, they're older videos at this point. They're, right. So you're not knocking them. No. Great stuff, no, but. and it's it's more, you know, the, the difference being that when those videos came out, um, and when, like, most of you guys learned to fly, you had people. And you had festivals and you had events that you could go to. So if you were, if you watched one of these videos and then you go to an event, you're like, okay, I watched the dog gross thing on how to do a half axle. I'm trying to do it. And then, you know, Paul walks over. He's like, yeah, you need to do this and that is to, to tweak it. You, you had that extra help. Whereas a lot of people that are getting it into it now don't, mm-hmm. right? We have ourselves, we have video and it's, it's rough. Sure. It's, it's rough to learn. Um, or the only other person you're finding that's helping you is, is someone who's just as new as you. Sure. Right. Uh-huh. So, um, so I, I, I have felt for some time that there's kind of this lacking infrastructure for helping those new people get into the sport and get hooked. So I wanted to get something out there so that we can start adding in pieces and maybe create that pipeline. Right. Uh, so it's definitely not perfect. It's in its second iteration uh-huh. so far. It's constantly updating. I'm trying to move pieces here and there. But yeah, it started with the scores database and my desire to have a place that we could send people that are showing more than the initial interest in actually getting involved in sure. sportkite flying. So okay, that's great. Yeah, so that's sportkite.org. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and then I guess part of sportkite.org in a way is yes. the podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. So what what drove you to do that? Because that's really a I mean, that's a pretty new thing for kiting. Um, Yeah, so uh, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts a lot while I'm at my work. Uh, The nature of my job means that I get to listen to a lot of music and podcasts while I'm doing my actual job. Um, I'm a corrosion inspector, so Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time by myself. Sure. Um, But yeah, I, uh, I figured why not? And also we needed... We needed some representation in in the podcast space. The kite community did. We there there's been one podcast before um, 
that, that lasted for several episodes. They were doing pretty decent. And I figured, you know, why not? It's scary. I'm probably going to fail at this, but I'm just going to go ahead and try and we're going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And if it sticks, that's great. And if people listen to it, that is double great. If they don't, I tried something. Sure. So that's that's where it's at now. <laughs> and it's it's working. Yeah. It's still scary as hell. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, so how many episodes are you at now? Uh, published, uh, uh, almost 40, I think. Almost 40 episodes. That's awesome. So, and I have a handful of episodes in the queue ready uh-huh. to go with, with the next few. That's great. And, and, uh, and if this is something you want to put out there or not, mm-hmm. but I mean, what, what, like how many, how many subscribers, downloads, or however you measure yeah, podcasts uh, and those metrics? So it's, it's kind of a little difficult on the subscriber end because I'm using a podcasting service that sends out to all the, all the various, um, platforms, mm-hmm. but, uh, we just, just recently crested over 5,000 downloads across the, the let's let's for sake to sake say 40 episodes um so i mean it's it and that's individual person downloading i don't know how many times they've listened to the sure. episode it's just the individual person mm-hmm. has downloaded a single episode so um i know i represent at least at least every one of those on sure because i i go back and listen to them um you know so, so I listen. I listen to them as well, and I listen to. Them I hope so. You've been in a few, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I listen to them on Spotify. So if I go listen to them on Spotify, does that count as a download? Then yes, the yes, that counts as a download. I might not see it as a subscriber. Sometimes sure. I do, um, but I've noticed the subscriber count gets a little weird sometimes. Okay. So I'm, I'm just focused on downloads yeah. right now. Yeah, well, that's but, great. I think for uh, the kiting community, I think that uh, sounds like it's quite. Quite a good number. Yeah, yeah. Especially for not even just the kiting community, but a super sub niche Uh of the kiting Uh community. Like, yeah, this just appeals to sport kite flyers. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's great. Yep. Um, All right. So, uh, you know, next on this long list. You, oh, you, and, you know, I, I know you don't want to talk specifically about uh, brands, but you, yes. you do some social media management for yes. some, some brands or a brand out there. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a handful of brands that I do um, social media management and content creation for. Um, and, I mean, the, the obvious one that I do a lot for and I will publicly announce is because I, I actually co-own the brand with Paul DeBacher and that's Level 1 Kites USA. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the face of it. He does all the amazing stuff, and I just push the publish button. That's that's about it. Um, but yeah, I I do some for some of the major brands, and then I do some um, I do some kind of freebie work for some other folks, and then I do. Actually, what I'm finding is been a lot of enjoyment, and and I know you've been a part of this as well. Has been trying to foster and create the content creator space for kite people. Cause we have this like weird sport that we are attempting to capture that we still have yet to crack the nut to make this like really interesting to people sure. outside of us. And we're all trying to identify it. So mm-hmm. um, everything that I use on the professional side, on my side gig of, of the social media management and content creation, I try to 
you know, share with all of us. Sure. So like, hey, I found this new thing, or what are you guys hearing? Like, let's let's help create this right. and grow this. Right. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So potentially some of those posts that we see uh, for a, a brand that certain we may like could, you, certain people. Could, could actually be coming from you. Yes. Yeah. Right. Have probably have probably come from my brain at ten o'clock at night, being like, let's do this post. This looks good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, I I I'm, I have everything regimented out and planned out, and things are all organized. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, that's great. So, well, so you, you you mentioned it before, and it's actually next uh, on the list is <laughs> Level One Kites USA. So yeah. that's something. This is a company that you and Paul yes. uh, are together and yeah. talking there. How how did this come about? I mean, I know. You can go into it further. Yeah. I know Paul has a long relationship with Level One. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, but talk to us about how that com- came about and what you're doing with that. Uh, so uh, I am the the best way to look at it is I am the support staff for Level One Kites USA. Um, that really is because Level One Kites in Germany is Jens, and you know Paul went full circle with being friends with Jens, being first sponsored by Jens, having his I believe it was his first kite, uh, the amazing. Uh, was was built and and sold by by level one um so uh that's a long-standing friendship and i'm, I'm very happy to kind of get included and be a part of it and and support where i can um i definitely don't design the kites i don't even fly the kites very mm-hmm. well there may be one or two videos of me flying them but uh mm-hmm. it's very obvious me and not a mm-hmm. skilled pilot flying it mm-hmm. um but so for for, for those yeah. minute, what is level one kites USA? Ah, it's a high end boutique sport kite brand. Okay. Um, the kites are are handmade uh, in in Germany, and we bring them over here. They are they are very very capable uh, flying machines. Um, we we have a handful of brands. Or sorry, not brands. Uh, we have a handful of models of, of these kites, mm-hmm. and yeah. Okay. And I I get the joy of watching as kind of the uninitiated and watching a whole bunch of expert kite flyers who are very, um, you know, by then they've kind of gotten their their skills established and they have their preferences established and they want things a certain way, and then they pick up one of these and they're like, oh my god, this is fun. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea. This, I, I couldn't do this thing before, and now this is so smooth, and this is awesome. And so I get to watch that as kind of like the third party, and then Paul gets the very technical side and gets nerdy about it, and it's awesome to to see you know that side happen. And I'm like, the thing it flies awesome, it does the thingy, and like you look good. And so, so yeah, I, I try to um, a lot of what I do for level one is behind the scenes, um, but. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good. So we just went through this long list of all these <laughs> yeah. things that you're involved in. And I'll yeah. just remind everyone, these are, you, you have a full-time career besides yes. all those things. You're doing yes. all this on the side. What drives you to do all this? What drives you to, to, to be doing all these different things? Uh, I love kites. I, I mean, that really is the most simple part about it, is I love kites. I love what they what they do. I love what they do for people. I love how my life radically changed because of them. 
Um, just, you know, that initial prism nexus. I was at a very, very dark place in my, in myself and trying to come to terms with certain things. And that, that brought such a level of peace that I needed, but it wasn't this like, you know, Zen woo-woo piece, which I, I found later, but it, it just brought this like sense of comfort and freedom. And I've watched, I've watched people's lives change dramatically. Um, I talk about it in my TED talk and I'm not going to tell the story now because otherwise I'm going to start just like bawling my eyes out. But it, it's about a gentleman with a traumatic brain injury who had a monumental shift because of kites. I've, I watch people on the kite field. I mean, the, the people that I've met on the fields, I see them two, maybe three times a year in, in their family. Mm-hmm. Like even uh, this is the first time you and I actually ever met each other in person, and I, I still like I feel like we've known each other sure. for quite some time. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, no, and and to have that, and to know that um, from from a linguist side, it's it's the one thing that I can take with me anywhere in the world, and everybody will understand it. I don't even have to say a single word. I don't have to speak the language, but everybody in the world will understand the kite. It's it's the one thing that every one of our cultures has had in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's just amazing to me. That's awesome, right? Because it's it's not every yes, everyone understands a knife, but a knife can be aggressive. But like a kite is a kite. Sure. Everybody gets it. Yeah, it's it's simple. So yeah, that's my. Yes. I think that's why I'm still stuck with it, and I can't get away from it. At all. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Well, I know we've been chatting for a while. I got I got yeah. a quick lightning round for you. Okay. Uh, short, okay. short answers. All right. All right. Short. Okay. I'll, I'll try my best. Okay. I suck at short answers. All right. Favorite kite? <laughs> um, escape. Favorite kite location or kiting location? Place to fly? Uh, it is not the easiest place to fly. So I do not recommend it for folks, but the most memorable and the favorite place that I've ever flown is actually in a continental rift between the European and the North American plates in Iceland. It was a bucket list item. It was incredible. Cool. Yep. Okay. Well, that, well, that may answer the next one. Craziest place you have flown. Yeah. That, well, yeah. 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 I would say that. Okay. Yep. All right. Favorite kind of bit. Oh, um, it's no longer around, but I think one of the favorite kind of events I ever went to was the Antelope Island Stampede. It was so weird. It was so awesome. And it was so different. Okay. Um, event you wish you could go to? Uh, Burke. Or no, Cherbia. Cherbia. Okay. Yep. Okay. Kite people who have influenced you. Oh boy. Uh this is not a short answer. No, I know this is a short okay. answer. I know there's a long list. Yeah, yeah. So so definitely um I would be remiss if I didn't say the person at the top of my list is Paul DeBacher, <laughs> my partner, because I'm totally in love with him. Um no, uh so definitely um the two of you guys, uh knowing what you did with focus and, and seeing what you put out there and kinda 
that definitely has has influenced me. Um, I'm going to put uh, people I consider my mentors, and that would be uh, Ron Gideon, Lindsey Johnson, and Bazar Poulter. Mm-hmm. Uh, those three gentlemen have been instrumental in the other parts of kite flying, sure. right? That not just kites, but like everything else that's around it. Um, definitely John Baresi. He actually, it was him and Steve Duroy that taught me how to fly a quad line kite. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Skinner and Jose Sines um, have opened my eyes on a lot of things when it comes to the artistic side of kites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll definitely say them. Um, when it comes to interacting with the public, people that have really influenced me there would be Scott Weeder, Scott Davis, and um, Amy and Connor Dorn. They've really opened my eyes of how you can, you know, engage with the public. Uh, and then, you know, that that's all the U.S. side. And then, sure. well, there's there's more people. I, of course, I'm doing the short version. Yeah. Um, and then there are a handful of folks that, like, I've watched their journey, um, like, overseas. Uh, there was a gentleman I met out of Indonesia who, unfortunately, has passed, uh, Nasri Ahmed. Amazing guy with an amazing heart. And what he does, what he did for kite flying over there and, and promoting the sport was, was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on, on people's names. So, <laughs> there, yeah, there's quite a few others, but yeah, uh, Graham Lockwood, uh, 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 Paul Chapman. Yeah. Those okay. Guys. Yeah. No, that's good. I knew that wouldn't be a lightning one. No, no. It had to be asked. Yeah. <laughs> so, kite that holds a special place in your heart. Skate. <laughs> a particular one, maybe? Yes. Yes. Yep. 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 Made yep. with magic. Yep. And then most special kiting experience. I I have had quite a few, um, but I will say that the there's two memories of mine that always every time I think about them I get tears in my eyes and and I I. I kind of well up, and one of them is is the aforementioned one in the TEDx talk I talked about, um, mm-hmm. a gentleman with a traumatic brain injury. Um, and the other that I haven't shared a lot because it's a very kind of, you know, it was a, a it was just, I was the only witness to it. Um, I actually was doing demos there at Long Beach, Washington, um, and I was doing the power kite stuff. And this kid comes up to me and he, he seems a, a, he seems very shy mm-hmm. and I didn't think of anything of it, but he really loved what was going on. I was like, cool. Right. And he was there with his grandma and his, you know, his grandma saw I had a lot of people coming through. He's like, you know, if he's bothering me, I was like, Hey, no, cool. So he, he wanted to help me all day. I was like, great, get involved. Right. Um, and so I'm just talking to him all day. And we're having these great conversations about kites and it's really awesome. And the next day they come back again. And I was like, Hey, my buddy's here. Like, can you go get that? You know, like I'm giving him tasks. This is my buddy. Like, and he's like a 13 year old kid. And I was like, this is great. You know, like, cool. I got, I got someone to help me schlep things and you know, whatever. Um, 
And, you know, the kid takes off and grandma pulls me aside. And, and yeah, I'm even getting kind of teary-eyed right now. Um, she tells me that he has been nonverbal for the past few years. And that's essentially the first time that he has been talking. Wow. And ever since he got off the kite field, he has not stopped talking. Oh. And I was just like... I had no idea. I'm just, I'm sharing this thing. And he was so excited by it. And I, I had, uh, oh, I, I had an HQ guy. I'm like, here, take it. This is yours. You can keep it. And it was just, it was so, it was, I was flabbergasted. I had no idea. That's awesome. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, yep. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> so. <Woo! laughs> So before we before we close this out, okay. All right. So you've got so much that you've got going on. Yeah. What's something that people can look forward to from Nick O'Neill in 2022? <laughs> oh. What, what's what's something? Tease oh. everyone. What what's oh. coming? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's you know I have a hundred things I want to do. Um and actually, all right. So a shout out to all of the people who have been incredible supporters of the Sport Kite Podcast because we do have a um, we have a, a patronage site that, that it really, really helps make sure that this thing keeps going because of course all this stuff costs money and, you know, I'm, I'm dumping a lot of money into it, but it, it's, it does help having, having supporters. Um, we reached a goal where I can actually start now creating, um, stuff to hand out. So like t-shirts and all this other stuff so that we're going to have that. Um, I really want to kind of grow that, uh, and to be able to, one thing I've wanted to do for a long time, and I still haven't quite figured it out. And maybe this is the year is creating essentially, uh, you know, a support package for kite festivals, mm -hmm. right? So that it, they just let me know that it's coming. Right. And I, I send them a box and it has like, here's a whole bunch of pamphlets on this. Here's a whole bunch of pamphlets on this. Here's a whole bunch of stickers from every manufacturer, right? Here's some free giveaways you can do, right? Here's some suggestions on, you know, how you can set up your, your, your safety space, mm -hmm. right? To, mm -hmm. to hear, you know, that helps out kite festivals, but also helps. There's a lot of festivals that want to bring in sport kite flyers that have never, they don't know what sport kites are. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're not talking our standard kite festivals that all of us know about. We're talking about the Lions Club wants to host a kite festival. Sure. And they're like, oh, we can put you right here in the middle of the trees. Right. And you're like, no. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to create a resource that we can just give to them mm -hmm. and they can have it. And it's it's fully funded. They don't have to pay for it. And so I'm hoping maybe this year I get that figured out. Cool. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's good. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nick, for letting yeah. me flip the script, put you in the hot seat, ask you questions. Yeah. And uh, and I know you know you do a lot, and it's a lot of it's probably a thankless job. So thank oh, you for what you do. You. Thank you. Um, yeah, you do a, a great job with all these different things that you're involved in. Oh, thank um, you so much. And then we know you do it for the passion of it and how you love it. So thanks for that. Yeah. This has been fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sitting down. All right. Awesome. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Hey, cool. It was recording the whole time. <laughs>
All right, so a big thank you to Hunter for the idea of this interview, and I do hope you enjoyed it. Um, it feels a little bit weird to talk about myself and promote myself, but um, well, there it is. Now you know a little bit more about me and the fact that uh, I am not very good at flying sport planes, <laughs> but I do love it. I really, really do love everything around this. So... Yeah, um, here is to the next year of publishing podcast episodes. We're going to keep doing a handful of interviews. We're going to have tech talks. Uh, we're trying to set up a handful of sit downs with some of the industry uh, kind of leaders. And we'll talk to them about some of their upcoming projects and stuff like that. So do stay tuned. And as always, thank you so much for listening and for hitting that subscribe button. And if you know anyone that might be interested in sport kites, consider sending them one of the episodes from the podcast. Uh, maybe not this one. Maybe one of the ones that talks about picking lines or something like that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you so much to all of you. I really love doing this. And uh, yeah. But for now, let's go out and fly. <laughs> <laughs>